You know when you're out with your friends and they all order beer and then you look insane when you don't want any beer? I mean, no offense to any of my friends out there, but I'm not a crazy obsessed beer drinker. I mean, once in a while, but I don't really love it. But I did recently try Bud Light Seltzer. It's not beer. It's a hard seltzer from Bud Light. Finally, there's something I can drink when everyone else is having a beer. Bud Light Seltzer's 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and it comes in four flavors. There's strawberry, lemon lime, mango, and my go-to black cherry. They're all super refreshing and perfect when I want something with a little more kick than just sparkling water. You know what I'm saying? Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. I see that you're asserting yourself, trying to get in the first word. Yes. Now that it's a new year. I'm sorry. You're the What is this, the Janice show now? You're the host of the show. I'm so sorry. You're just the dirt under my shoe. Oh, oh, don't. You know what? I will take you down so fast. (laughs) Too old for that. I have new. You're rickety. Yeah. And let's not forget that. Let's not forget about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Uh Let me see if I can quote it correctly. What? Um, where did you learn that, Janice? Oh, I've I've heard about it. It's the new trend. Your trend? You don't know trends. You're too old to know about trends. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. Jake's a young spring chicken. Just because I'm older doesn't mean I'm not hip with the with hip with the with the jive. <laughs> this is exactly the problem. You see, who says hip with the jive? No, but you. I can't believe you said that. You're too old to know trends. True. Well. Because hip with the jive is not a trend <laughs> or not a trend that we need to engage in or, you know, I'm just resurrect. Saying, I'm just saying. Woo! <sighs> All right, let's start this over. Ready, Jake? Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And there's Janice Third, exactly where she belongs. <laughs> now then, Janice and I were chatting uh, over our little holiday break and... We realize that we both know so many people who are either pregnant or trying to get pregnant. And there's so much confusing and conflicting information out there about fertility and what you should do to prepare your body for being pregnant, if anything. And we we thought it would be pretty appropriate to maybe have Dr. V come on and talk to us about this. Yep. And and um, and and give some solid. Yeah. To give some solid <laughs> is got you want the word guidance? Is guidance, guidance advice? I was almost going to say we'll edit this because I just got caught in my own brain. But yes, yeah, some solid advice. Oh like no, she's waiting on the line. Maybe I should just shut you up. You got and let caught her... in your own brain, like a prison. <laughs> don't 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 start. <laughs> like it's a... the new happy year. Okay, no, it's not. Do not start. You got caught in your own brain. <laughs> Did you have an LSD flashback there? No. Sometimes the squirrel cage. I get caught in the squirrel cage of my brain. And I was thinking, I'm trying to think of something innovative to say. And all I could say was, and we got some good stuff coming up. No, you didn't even say that. I had to insert the word guideline. I know. All right. Well, thank God we've got somebody who's not in the squirrel cage on the other line. And she is waiting on the line right right. now. So we have Dr. V coming on right now to talk to us about prepping our body for pregnancy. Dr. V, welcome. Thank you. How, how have you been? I've been doing very well. Thank you so much. So Great. today, Dr. V is going to talk to us about the top seven 
Is it, Dr. V, is it things to do when you're pregnant? Is it, It's how to get pregnant. Seven things to do in planning to get pregnant. Oh, okay. Excellent. Because there's so much. I have a lot of friends who are either pregnant or trying to get pregnant. So I've been living this vicariously. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. It's a great one, especially to start the new year. And we're thinking about new beginnings. And what's better than a baby and a healthy mom and dad and family and however it all happens. You know what? This is what the new year is about, new beginnings. So here we go. Okay. All right, so the reason that we say the top seven things to do in planning to get pregnant is that everyone forgets to plan to get pregnant. We plan to not get pregnant, yeah. but we don't plan to get pregnant, right? That's so true, and I, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I've read about mistakes that people make with their diet and with their lifestyle that actually inhibits their, uh, their ability to get pregnant, their fertility levels. Absolutely, and that's really what we want to focus on. So A... We're all, like, more than halfway there if we just think about this. Heads up, three months ahead is usually the minimum. So that's where we start. So you want to start thinking three months ahead. And for a lot of us, we want to do it in a whole lifetime, like really plan to keep healthy bodies. And here's some tips on how you do it. But three months ahead is really where you want to begin because it's going to take those three months at least to, if you will, cleanse the temple and get things cleaned up. Okay. Number one, you got to get your physical. And there's so many women who don't get physicals. They don't go and see the doctor, and they don't go and get follow-up. And the key thing about getting your physical is that if you don't get it, and if you see that you now are pregnant, it's really tough to start doing it in reverse order. What do I mean by your physical? you got to get a pap smear. You've so, okay, to- I was going to say, do you mean like go to the your your uh, your internist or do you mean go to your gynecologist or do you mean do both? I mean do both. So here's the reason. First of all, gynecologists for all of us young, healthy, let's say, God willing, people, right. that mm-hmm. we are able to just have to go to the gynecologist, that's where you start. So what you end up doing is you get your pap smear, you make sure you have no sexually transmitted diseases, right. that there isn't even things like bacterial vaginosis or yeast going on. And again, it's so common to have syphilis, chlamydia, gonorrhea. I can't tell you. It doesn't mean you're not clean. It means probably somewhere, you know, there was unprotected intercourse. That's not a good thing. But you've got to clean all that up. And you've got to make sure that you have a normal cervix. Right. There's no pre-malignant lesions that if you had any signs of any papillomavirus or warts, that that's all examined. I can't tell you how many times we have patients that will then have found after pregnancy that this is going on, and you can't treat a lot of these things in the same way as you would aggressively. So you've got to get your pap smear, get your health clearance. Then, if you have anything going on, and a lot of women will have diabetes, high blood pressure already, even at young ages, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. Really? Yeah. Okay. But you got to go to an internist, and if you don't have one, this is your time to find one. Your gynecologist can teach you to do the breast self-exam if you don't do it. Obviously, if you're 40 or higher in age, you have to get your mammogram. Again, all this can mostly be done all through your gynecologist, but get your internist. Why were we talking about the diabetes? Because we see, especially in some of our other populations, not necessarily Caucasian, but we see it there too, Mm. Latino, African-American populations, we have to be careful about family histories of diabetes, higher risks for diabetes at early ages, and what we call gestational diabetes. So if you come with the genes that you have diabetes in your family, and we're talking about the obesity-related diabetes, the type 2, right. 
you are at higher risk during your pregnancy with the more sedentary lifestyle because as you get bigger you get it's harder to move around with the weight gain and the differences that occur in your in your diet and exercise gestational diabetes which really is it means you have the genes for diabetes and you got to be careful that's something you want your internist and if you need an endocrinologist you go to an endocrinologist to help you predict do you think that this could happen to me I have a question. Yeah. This is kind of an, probably an ignorant question, but there are no stupid questions, right, Janice? No. Uh, Dr. V, if you come down with gestational diabetes, how does this affect the baby? Does this, does this make the baby have yeah. Yeah. birth defects or more prone to diabetes or how? Right. So in babies um, who have a mom who either have diabetes or gestational diabetes, right. meaning higher blood sugars, because it's all by blood sugar markers that are well, either in bad control or really out of control. Those babies grow to be huge, like nine, ten pound deliveries. Meaning, oftentimes wow. those are always C spines. Those babies can be immature in growth, meaning that they don't grow normally in the uterus. Wow. They can have all kinds of problems later themselves because they have had not an entirely normal development in the uterus. So it really impacts your baby. And it also impacts you in the ability to have a healthy, normal, full-term delivery and a normal baby that you can actually try and vaginally push out. Okay. Got it. And, you know, I had to say, one of my other friends was trying to get pregnant. She's only 30 years old. And she wasn't getting pregnant, wasn't getting pregnant, went to her doctor, and she had polyps in her uterus. And they and they had to scrape them out. And then once they scraped them out, two months later, she was pregnant. But had she not gone to her doctor, she was like, I don't understand. Why am I not getting pregnant? And that was the answer. So if, if that light bulb, you know, goes on, if the clock starts going off and the alarm is ringing and it's ticking, then go to your doctor. Right. Get yourself checked. That's what you would want to do. It's kind of like, you know, if you're going to take your car on a long trip for 40 weeks, which is what a pregnancy <laughs> is, then you're going to get your tune-up, right? Yeah, that's right. Sure that you get the car checked out. Exactly. So get the body That's a great out. analogy. Okay. I mean, you don't go on a trip to Death Valley or anywhere, up, you know, a ski trip or anywhere without checking the car. That's for sure. Okay. Number two, and it has to do with number one, check your labs. Now, why do I say check your labs? Because a lot of folks will go, and they'll, they'll be really good about it. They'll get their breast exam, their pap smear, you know, they'll get some basic screening, but they don't ask specifically what's going on with my blood counts, what is my iron level, and mm. this is especially important in women who have a tendency for anemia who have really heavy periods. It's really important because what we see is during pregnancy, the mom's body basically has to support the oxygen level of the placenta, and that's of the growing baby. And that comes through the red blood cell, right? Right. If you're anemic, you have low counts. You have low hemoglobins or low red blood cells. And a lot of women, when they're pregnant, all of a sudden hear, oh, my goodness, my blood count is low. My iron is low because then they test that. Now you've got to take more iron even than in your prenatal, and we'll talk about that, the prenatal right. vitamin. Okay. But iron is a tough one to take because it can cause nausea. And guess what? When you're first pregnant, what you also a lot of times have. Morning nausea. sickness. Yeah. Exactly. That's and right. Constipation. So if you were able to have built up your iron stores, make sure you have got a really strong and good hemoglobin, this won't happen. It's a tougher thing to replace, actually, in pregnancy because 
as you're pregnant, just as you said, Jillian, you get morning sickness. It's, iron's a tough one to take. The other one that we really know is important is thyroid function. And there are new recommendations that are coming out from the endocrine world, the world that I'm in, that are looking at making sure that women are not with thyroid disease. They don't have a low thyroid level. Why does this affect pregnancy? I've just started hearing about this, and it's like, we better check your thyroid levels, and I I don't get it. What's the connection? So here's where it is. What we know is thyroid hormone, and there are two basic hormones. We call them T4 and T3. T3, right, okay. The two hormones are essential in the brain development, actually, of the baby. But the mom's thyroid hormones are critical. And with the new recommendations... Jillian, we're being really aggressive. We're putting women on thyroid hormone replacement to protect the mom, protect the pregnancy, protect the baby, and we're doing it early. It's critical. I mean, I can't tell you enough. I tell all women, and especially women who have family histories of people with any kind of of, of thyroid disease, whether it's high thyroid called Graves' disease or Mm -hmm. low thyroid called hypothyroidism from Hashimoto's, any woman that has a family history of thyroid disease must look at this. And please do it three months ahead because it sometimes takes a couple of months to get you on the right dose. That's inc- I, I never, I've only recently have I heard of that. That's, that's, and a lot of women are suffering with thyroid conditions, so I'm, I'm hoping this is a light bulb moment for them, which kind of leads us into your next one, which is prenatal vitamins. Yeah, prenatal vitamins. Oh, my goodness. This I is no joke, can- right? Really no joke, and this is a no-brainer. So the key two words here, start early. In fact, we give prenatal vitamins, and I think I've mentioned it before, for the growth of hair and nails. I mean, women do great on prenatals. They have more iron in them. They have more of the other parts of the multivitamin. And if you start at least three months early, you will build up these stores. Again, the chances that you would have a low iron or other deficiencies, and we'll talk about one specifically, is much lower once you're pregnant. So what's the big reason that we say you want to get it in early? Okay, it's great to have thicker hair and nails. Mm -hmm. And again, you can take it every day unless your doctor says there's a reason you shouldn't. But it has to do with that folic acid. Right. And if that's down, you could get like neural tubal defects and spina bifida and all of that? You got it. Okay. So these are, this means that the baby's closure, so in the back, how you know we can all run our hand down our back, those babies don't actually close the way that the structures around the spinal cord nicely close and encase and then skin grows over our back and we can feel it. Babies don't actually close that if the mom doesn't have enough folic acid during pregnancy. Most of the prenatals in this country, if not all, FDA will recommend that they have to be at least 600 to 800 micrograms. But that's in the prenatal. So if you have a prenatal and they are prescription medication for this reason because it's regulated, then you know you will be getting that. If you've had a family history of a neural tube defect, someone in the family had a baby where this tube didn't close and there was some kind of a neurologic disorder, we actually will put women on sometimes five to ten times as much as that. So another really important thing, get on your prenatal, get on early, you'll build your iron, you'll make sure you have enough folate for when you actually get pregnant, and you'll have probably really great hair and nails. I read one thing, Dr. V, because, again, I I seem to be surrounded by pregnant people at the moment, that green tea, the antioxidants in green tea can block the effects of folic acid. Yeah. Is that true, or is this like a, you know, don't believe everything you read kind of a thing? Exactly. I think it's 
it's a, it's a little bit of both. Okay. It's a really good question, and that's why there's a couple of things that we see that actually we have to be da- we have to be careful with. Vitamin A is one of them. There's some questions about green tea, green tea and folate. What we know is is that in the normal course, if you had a let's say a cup or two of green tea a day, you're probably just fine. Okay. There is some leaning towards that it may in high amounts. And, you know, some of us walk around with the green tea bottles. Now you can buy them everywhere, right? I yep. Mean, people walk around, like, with bottled water. It could be, be in supplements you're taking and things be like be that. Careful. Be careful with that. Got it. Okay, excellent. Stop uh, birth control. Now, this one I'm super excited about because I'm anti-birth control. I always... Right. Uh, right. I mean, uh, not natural forms of birth control, but the birth control pills always freaked me out. Yeah. So what do you do if you've been on it for years? I mean, yeah. is that going to inhibit your uh, chance of getting pregnant? Do you stop immediately? Like, what, what's... So here's the thing, and it's all great questions. So some women really, and, you know, you know how this works, Jillian. Some women have to take birth control pills, first of all, because they have heavy periods. They've got horrible premenstrual syndrome sometimes for polycystic ovarian syndrome, where this is really the only way that there's any regulation right. of their cycles. Right. So the birth control pill, you can stop abruptly, of course. Um, if you stop it abruptly, depending on where you are in your cycle, what kind of pill, you may get a period, a withdrawal period right then and there. So everyone should know that. But the reason we tell women primarily to stop birth control is, first of all, if you want to get pregnant, it's not the likelihood that it will happen on birth control. It's still of can, course, right. But the likelihood is lower. The key reason is that we want you to start seeing what your normal cycles are because if we stop birth control, it can take up to three months, actually, for your brain and ovaries to start talking again. And the reason is is because the way birth control works with estrogen and progesterone is that it tells your brain that, oh, okay, here's the supplement hormones. And the brain says, oh, okay, I don't need to send my signals to the ovaries to actually put an egg out there and allow for fertility. So you have periods on birth control on most types, not all, but you don't put an egg out there. And that's how they work. What the brain sometimes says is, well, if I've been on this for five years and this is how it worked, okay, you stopped it, but guess what? I'm still not going to kick an egg out this month. And guess what? Next month I'm not going to, and next month I'm not going to either. Really? It's as if the pituitary has to take its time to see that, no, the hormones that you were taking in the tablet are gone, and it has to kick in its own system. So that does a really important thing. First of all, it gets you ovulating naturally yourself, and it can be up to three months. But the other thing is that you really want to ensure that especially if you're of any kind of age over sort of the 22 to 26 when we're in the highest fertility range, and certainly over 30 and certainly over 35 and 40, you want to know when you ovulate. And that's a really important thing in planning, right? So the basal body temperature is related to this. You're not going to get good numbers because you're not going to get ovulation. And if you go buy that special thermometer, they're about 10 to $16 or so, the basal body temperature, that morning temperature right when you get up, right. basal just means your temperature without eating, drinking, running around, doing anything. Right. Oftentimes you just take it under the tongue. In the first two weeks, what we see is there's a certain temperature that we have in the first two weeks of our cycle. And once we ovulate, it goes up by 0.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Why is that important? If you stop your pill and you get one of these thermometers, 
you make your little log, and you can start to see, and I'm telling you, you will see when you get a bump up of 0.4 based on whatever your baseline temperature is. You know you've ovulated. Okay. You know you probably have in the next two to six days, depending on exactly how your physiology is, to get pregnant. Got through it. Through artificial insemination, through intercourse with a man, etc. What about those sticks you pee on to tell you if you're ovulating? Are those trustworthy? Those are trustworthy. In fact, ovulation kits, and, and okay. I'm glad you brought that up. They're actually do, they're, they've changed from the first ones, and they're very reliable, so they really help. The reason we say the basal body temperature is a lot of women want to do more natural things, and it's expensive oh, I see. to buy the kits. Okay. One thermometer versus buying the kits all the, every month yeah. and not getting pregnant. But you know what? They work. Got it. So stop birth control. Get your periods back on their own natural track. Start tracking out what your temperatures are. You're going to know when you're going to ovulate. So guess what? You're going to know when it's time to get fertilized. Gotcha. Okay weaning meds now yeah. this is what janice made a note of for me does it does it how do you do this do you mean like if you've been prescribed medication for certain conditions you have to get off of them yeah so big big question and i can't tell you how many times we have a patient that'll walk in that is on cholesterol medication right. is on medicine for depression so some of the medicines like prozac zoloft and you know they're all the same the serotonin selective reuptake right. inhibitors mm-hmm. the SSRIs, seizure medicines all kinds of different medications that we know, sometimes even antibiotics, that we know we have to be very careful with the normal development of the fetus. So what I tell patients is if you're on any kind of medicine, and it kind of goes back up to the first part where the gynecologist and internist can really help here, you've got to know which ones are safe from what we call a teratogenic standpoint. That's a fancy word. It just means safe for the baby and wow, the baby's okay. development. Got it. But you've got to think of this ahead of time. I had a gal that we were taking care of who had a very severe seizure disorder. And mm. there's a few medicines in a lot of these different categories that are acceptable, but not all of them work as well. This, this woman tried to switch to some of the other seizure medicines and she had seizures. So she mm. couldn't actually get off her seizure medicines and the ones she was on, she couldn't swap over to the safer ones in pregnancy. The ones she was on were not recommended because they could really cause defects in the baby. So she adopted a child. And I'm being very honest with you, but guess what? She went to her doctor. She was educated. She learned that the medicine she was on wasn't the right one. She tried in the other groups to see if she could get a safer one. Couldn't do it. And look, she learned. Now, it doesn't mean that if she's on the seizure medicine, she wasn't going to be able to get pregnant. She probably could have gotten pregnant. It just could have caused birth defects. What would we have done? Right. I understand. you got to get on this ahead of time. So important. I didn't even think about anything like, well, not that I'm planning on getting pregnant, but I I mean, I have friends that are on antidepressants and they're trying to get, I have one friend who's on antidepressants trying to get pregnant right now. Yep. So... So you got to go to your internist. you got to go to your gynecologist. If they can't answer the question, we have actually specialists that look at just which medicines. These are specialized genetic pharmacologists that look at which medicines are safe in pregnancy and which aren't. Wow. Yeah, really important to know. I mean, exactly the wow you're saying is what we see, Jillian. People don't, you don't actually think about it in that way. 
No, I've never thought. I mean, I, I think people try to get pregnant and they're like, I'm pregnant. Great. You know, and now what do I do? But unless they have problems, then if, if I have friends that are having problems, then they're at the fertility doctor going, why isn't it working? But right. they don't really know. I don't know many people that are think, gosh, I let me think about all these steps that I need to do to prep my body to be fertile. Right. I mean, it, it, it's exactly the key. And that's why preparation, it's all planning. It's like we right. plan to not get pregnant, but you got to plan to get pregnant. So number six, body fat percent. Now, there's something interesting, and there's a lot of literature in this, and it has to do with it as women to actually sustain and get pregnant and sustain a normal pregnancy. We see that in general, if you're under 20% body fat, it may actually per amount you're under, really inhibit your fertility. That there is a certain percentage of body fat that is needed to get pregnant. Now, why is that important? It's important from not only the perspective that if you are underweight in terms of a fat amount, and unfortunately there are even patients, right, with anorexia nervosa Mm -hmm. and other issues, those patients really can put a stop to their fertility. I don't know if the young women that experience these kind of, let's say, eating disorders in general, understand that they really can stop and inhibit their chances and sometimes even their future chances to get pregnant. So the one problem is underweight. The other problem, and that's still part of number six, is nutrition, especially, right, Mm -hmm. because there's so many of all of us that are not in shape and actually overweight. And then we go the other way. So the three months at the very least before you're trying to get pregnant, do an assessment. Again, touch base, weigh yourself, calculate your body mass index. But more important than all of that, improve your nutrition. Key things that you want to think about, and this is also during pregnancy, obviously alcohol, drugs, smoking, massive no-no, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Caffeine, big controversy. We know that maybe one to two cups is maximum for a woman to take in. Oh, can they have that much? Gosh, I thought they weren't allowed to have any. Yeah, we'd prefer to say any. Now, it's controversial, and that's why I'm saying a lot of okay. people will say one, we say one cup. That's what we do. It's can be a it. cup of tea, and remember, green tea has caffeine too. Right. A cup of tea, a cup of coffee. I mean, basically, that's it. And there's a lot of sneaky places that they put caffeine. You know, obviously, some of those energy drinks and things like that. I mean, all those are no-nos. Of course. But even headache, headache medicine that, you know put it a lot of the headache medicine oh yeah excedrin's pure caffeine exactly so be very aware about your nutrition green leafy vegetables excellent lots of folate don't eat cold cuts sushi soft cheeses hot dogs what we're talking about is processed meats and raw fish one of the key things in the processed meats and soft cheeses is listeria so again if you're trying to get on track trying to already train your palate and certainly during pregnancy, not to take those in. And listeria is bacteria. It's a bacteria that can cause meningitis in the baby. Got it. It can cause poor development. You might feel like you had a cold or a flu. You might not even know if you had it, although most people ultimately get very sick. But for the baby, if the mom's carrying it, it's just an absolute no-no. It can cause meningitis or inflammation, infection in their brain and cord. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So really important with, with in terms of body fat, not too low, not too high. It's one of the huge and most important predictors in fertility, actually, to have the right weight, to try and have an ideal body weight. Go online, put in your height and weight. There's so many tools. If you can get online on a computer and do an ideal body weight calculation, 
try and get there before you get pregnant. Right. So number seven is the word enjoy. <laughs> now, the reason I say it is because we've talked in, in other segments all about stress and what happens. And if you're talking about how the brain stimulates the ovary to kick that really good and healthy egg out, it all happens through the hypothalamus and then the pituitary. And the hypothalamus is in our brain. It's a part, it's a major structure. And when we're stressed, our function of the hypothalamus goes awry. And we see it all the time. People will say, and I'm sure you've even seen this and maybe experienced it, Jillian. Oh, I was so stressed. I missed my period for two months. The, I, mean, <laughs> I have a friend. This is so funny. I have a good friend who is trying to get pregnant. And her, the guy that she was in love with had to move back to India, right? And she has skipped her period for two months and she's uh, she's freaking out. And she's right. like, I'm going into menopause. I'm like, no, dude, I think you're just, she's right. 40. I mean, she's like 43 or something. Right. So I was like, dude, I, I think you're just, you're grief stricken. I think right. that's what's happening. But it's just, an, like, I don't know anything about this. I just, that was just my gut. Right. So, you know, what, what we see over and over is that couples, people trying to get pregnant through whatever ways, natural insemination, sperm donors, couples together, what we see is that it starts becoming this vicious cycle, right? Because stress builds every month when the period then comes. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm not, you know, I'm not fertile. What's going on? It, you know, yes. it's all going to work. And that makes more and more and more stress, which is a real problem because the hypothalamus is going to actually add to the problem now. Then we see the couple will go on and say, okay, well, we'll adopt or we're going to stop trying. And they, they, get, they, they get pregnant. <laughs> They've got not only their Yeah, that's a phenomena, I gotta tell you. That's kind of an incredible phenomena. Yeah, I've seen it again and again and again. This isn't scientific, but I'm telling you. And again. That's the mind body connection, and that is stress. And that is how important our brain and our body work together. One of the big groups that we've worked with in different areas does only, the only fertility stuff that they do in counseling is mind body. They do monthly sessions with the couples. The couples show up, they do everything from yoga to different kinds of, you know, de-stressors, biofeedback, and I'm telling you, they have higher percentage fertility rates than some of our fertility clinics that are doing all the special inseminations and all the hormones and everything else. The mind-body, let's never underestimate to enjoy the process, and if you have to step away from it, step away from it. Step away from it. Now, we never add a number eight, and I'm not adding a number eight, but there are a few points really important this isn't all about the woman right the The guy's got to have that sperm count good swimmers right exactly and so whether it's your partner as a male uh, you know a sperm donor wherever it is if there's any say you have over your partner a couple things you want to ensure is that they take for three months because it takes about three months for sperm development they take extra zinc selenium vitamin c vitamin d Obviously, the no drugs and alcohol, all those things together. There's a couple other questions about briefs versus boxers, and that goes on and on, right? But that yeah. has to do with the heat that sperm need to develop. And there's, it's slightly warmer to get good, productive uh, sperm out, and it's about 94 to 96 degrees Fahrenheit. But once you're in briefs or hot saunas, hot tubs, hot baths, right. what we see is sperm counts go down, so all these things together. And the last thing, which is an odd one, which even I learned about for a patient as well, is that in a lot of couples, if they're not having sex, if they have that downtime, 
and there's not a lot of intimacy, again, due to a lot of stressors, they try sporadically. Important for the male to ejaculate at least a week to a month before you try and conceive. Really? The thought is is that there may be residual pools of dead sperm, and that if you're going to have your chance and you did your ovulation kit and you're going to try and, you know, make it all work, that you want to have the most viable or healthy, is all that means, healthy yeah. sperm. And that's kind of an interesting one. We don't, we don't think about it. And, and the guys that, that, you know, make the sperm, I think they don't know this. So maybe that's something we have to get out there, too. The, Dr. Reed, thank you so much. That's a, that's awesome. This is such incredible advice. Thank I, you so much. We really appreciate it. And of course, to tell everybody how to reach you, please, ma'am. Yes, Dr. Van Hurley, D R V A N H E R L E dot com. You are awesome, Dr. Van Hurley. Thank you so much. Can't wait to talk to you again. You are the best. Have a great day. Thanks, Jillian. Thank you. Somewhere there's speaking. It's already coming in. Oh, and it's rising at the back of your mind You never could get it Unless you were fed it And now you're here and you don't know why All right, we have Rena waiting for you. Hey, Rena. Hi, Jillian. Hi, buddy. What's going on? Um, my question is, how do I wean myself off of my personal trainer? Oh, well... Okay, why, I mean, why do you want to? I'm sure there's a million well, reasons, but... Just because um, the cost. Mm. I mean, it's it's harder now. Yeah, everything, it's absolutely. It's 300 every 10 sessions, so... Yeah, you okay. You know, it's kind of expensive. Yeah. I, mean, I like I like having her there. Um. Okay, so, so when you ask me how do you wean yourself off of her, do you mean with regard to maintaining your level of fitness? Do you mean on a personal yeah. level, or do you mean both? Um the level of fitness like how do i because um i have trouble going to the gym by myself okay all right let's talk about a couple different options first of all when it comes to accountability is there a buddy that you can work out with that one's straightforward no can you recruit a co-worker a family member a good friend no really that that's why i have the personal that's why you have the trainer okay then another option would be classes. Are there classes uh, that you can buy in bulk that are more affordable? Then you get the in- the social environment. Uh, you get the the instruction, but it's more affordable. I do. I do both. I have um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I go to Powerflex. Okay. At a different gym, and then on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I do the personal trainer. Gotcha. Oh, you Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, so. I would say this, continue with your power flex, obviously, that's two days a week, and then maybe you could see the trainer once a week okay. to to stay on track and keep that touchstone, because I know that with my clients, I mean, I have clients, personal training clients that I still talk to from 10 years ago, 15 years ago, hey, how you doing, send me pictures of their kids, was thinking about you saw your picture here or there, or I'll just check in and say, oh my gosh, I, you know, thought about you the other day. There's a real bond that, that is created there. So maybe you could come down off of the three times a week and go to once a week. And then I know that for clients that used to go through that, uh, I used to ask them, or I'm sorry, they used to ask me, can you write me a program? And they'd say, you know, if I see you once a week, can you write me a program for the other two times a week? But another really good option 
are fitness DVDs because, quite honestly, they're like seven bucks and you get the benefit of having a trainer there and you could use this DVD forever as long as you want to and you can do them in the privacy of your own home. So you're still getting that workout. You're still getting that instruction, mm-hmm. but it's not costing you anywhere near the amount and you use the classes to hold you accountable for getting out of the house and being social. And another thing you could do is join a running group. They're free. You could train for a marathon, join a running group, and that might be a good way for you to get buddies in your life that are more athletic. And it's real simple. You know, you could Google running group in you know whatever area you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I know women that join softball teams and um, crew, like... Gosh, a a 54-year-old woman I worked with on losing it joined a rowing crew for fun. Oh, nice. You know, so I would join um, a group like that, a running group or something of that nature, uh, get those DVDs, and I'm trying to think of what else I may have missed. Do you think I'm missing anything, Janice? Um, I just know, I just... I know sometimes emotionally it's hard to let go of a, of a trainer too because you, yeah. it, it, there's a whole thing attached to it that you think that it, I can't do it without them. I can't do it without their emotional support. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's what Jillian, what you, about getting the buddies. I think, see, I'm a big believer in peers. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. I, well, I think, I think the buddies in conjunction with utilizing that knowledge from uh, fitness professionals in a cheaper forum be it classes or those DVDs. And that way you don't feel that abandonment. Go go once a week and wean yourself off of it that way. Okay, awesome. Okay. Thank I'm you. I'm sorry. You gotta, that stinks. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a trainer, I, I used to hate when clients had to do that. Yeah. Even when I was booked solid, I hated it. I was like, it, it feels like a you miss them. That's all. But you can still be friends, too. Keep that in mind. Yeah, and she said that if, you know, if I do stop going, that we'd have um, meetings to see how my fitness was going. And so, uh, see, that's a good egg right there. Yeah. That's a perfect. Do that. Stay in touch with her and take yourself down to once a week in the meantime. Okay, thank you. All right, buddy. Have a great day. back and uh paul is waiting for you on the line excellent paul what's going on um it's um okay me and my mom have been going to the gym together for a while because i'm old enough to take some of the classes and use their workout room excellent so we've done water aerobics that's one of my favorites and then occasionally we do body pump you know what that is right i do um and so we've done that I've done it with all age, you know, with more weights, but um, she, I'm kind of worried about it, but she's, like, terrified of what spinning is. We have, we know it's biking, but other than that, we have no idea. Uh-huh. Uh, some gym, some gyms offer, um, like, we know some gyms in the area offer, like, introductory courses, but our gym doesn't. Uh-huh. So we need to learn, like, what to do and that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So, buddy, can I ask you a couple questions real quick? Sure. Uh, okay. How old are you? I am 12, 13 in March. 
Got it. 12, 13 in March. So you certainly are 12 because nobody, uh, nobody over that age would be accelerating there. I'll be 13 in March. I'm like, I will be 37 for the rest of my life. <laughs> in fact, I'm never turning 38. Uh, okay, sweetheart. All right. So first of all, that's so awesome that you're going to the gym with your mom. I have to just give you mad props. Good for you. Uh, now, Thank you. Yeah. I mean, what? A, good for you. Now, spinning. Spinning really is an aerobics class on a stationary bike. And there are many different teachers who have different techniques that they'll employ. So, for example, you might go to a class and one teacher might want to do a lot of climbing, which is when they put a lot of resistance on the bike and it's like you're climbing hills. Another teacher might want to do a lot of sprints and intervals, which is when they take the resistance off of the bike and you're racing and you're sprinting. Now, your preferences on the teacher is going to come in time when you try a bunch of different spinning styles, whether you like the climbing, whether you like the sprints, whether you like to mix it up. Music is also really important because some teachers play music. You know, you might have a teacher that plays hip hop. You might have a teacher that plays techno. You might have a teacher that plays disco. I hate disco. So there's a teacher at my gym. The disco teacher is a no-go for me. That class is just a closed door. Music is big for me in my workouts, though. So that, again, is going to yeah, be... Yeah, uh, I, I, I too, definitely. Right. So, like, what kind of music do you like to work out to? I like to work out to, like, current songs. Like, the body, the current body pump is probably my favorite because it's got, like, Katy Perry and... Daphne. Excellent. Right, like Gaga and, like, Kanye. Yeah. and I totally get it. Okay. So the first thing you want to do before you take a class is get a feel for the teacher. Find out what kind of music they play. Because if you're in a class where you don't like the music, I think it's just annoying. Classes, music is a big part of class. So make sure that you like the teacher's music. Ask ahead, like, all right, you have three teachers that teach here. What kind of music do they play? Then when you go into the class, I highly recommend if you can afford it, you get spinning shoes. Because you can okay. you can go in your kicks. Uh, and what they'll do is they'll have... On the bike, there's a little contraption that will snap onto the pedals and it will sort of cinch over your shoe. But the problem is you get those pedals going pretty quick. And if you accidentally, if your foot accidentally slips out of there, that pedal can come around and whack you in the shin or the calf. And it's really painful. It sucks. Yeah, ow. It completely. That's exactly right. So if you can, and if you think you're going to be doing a lot of spinning, I would really make that investment in a pair of spin shoes. You don't need some crazy Lance Armstrong shoe. You really just need something that fits your foot properly that will snap into that pedal because a spin shoe clips into the bike so that your foot can't come out and that thing can't swing around and smack you. So having the proper gear is going to be really important. Another thing that I would be... I would really do your homework on sometimes spin teachers turn the air conditioning off in a room. I hate that. And it gets really hot and, and really just, I can't stand it. Make sure I'm going to say, especially since you're young, make sure that they don't turn the air conditioning off. Make sure that there's ventilation in the room. Make sure you go with a towel. Because when you sweat, your hands are going to be up on those handlebars. And when you sweat on the handlebars, if your hand slips while you're sprinting, once again, you can fall off the bike. You can smack your knees. You can smack your face into the bars. As ridiculous as it sounds, I've seen it happen. So you go in, make sure there's ventilation or air conditioning. Put your towel over the handlebars so you've got some traction. 
because there's different positions, hand positions and spinning. There's three, there's two, there's one, and you'll learn all of them when you go in. But the handlebars get real slippery when you sweat. So go in with your towel, place your towel over the handlebars, bring water, because no matter what, yeah. even when there's air, you're going to get really hot and dehydrated. And then the other most important thing behind the shoes is to go up to the teacher before the class begins and have him teach you how to set up your bike. Because the yeah, bike is adjustable. Have you been yeah. Have you been in yet? Have you gone to one yet? Not no, yet. No, we haven't, no. Because we want to ask the expert you first. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very smart of you, Paul. This kid's going to run for president one day. I can feel <laughs> it. He knows what he's talking about. So I want you to go right up to that teacher before class begins. So get there like five, ten minutes early. And just say, listen, this is my first spin class. And don't just let him set it up for you. Have him show you how to set it up. Because... You're going to want it. You can adjust everything from the height of the handlebars to the, the height of the seat to the distance from the end of the seat to the handlebars. And generally, a good rule of thumb is you want to take your elbow from the end of the seat and touch your fingertips to the handlebars. That's generally the length that you want the seat from the bars. And when you're uh, adjusting the height of your seat, you want to make sure that when your leg is fully extended... With your heel down, sitting on the bike, right? So you're sitting on the bike, you fully extend your leg, your heel's down. I want to make sure that there's a slight bend in that knee. We don't want you to hyperextend your knee. So I don't want you to fully straighten your leg and have that leg locked out straight. We want a slight bend, not too much. We don't want you all crunched up. But we want to make sure that with full extension, heel down, butt in the seat, you've got a slight bend in that knee. And then have him come okay. over and also help you with the height of the handlebars. And once you've covered all that, you should be good to go. Okay. Um, thank you. And um, one more thing, not really spinning related, but yeah. I know you've talked. I know, I know you've talked about red dye forty, and I just wanted to let you know you're not the only one completely against it. I'm allergic to it. It actually gives me a reaction. Red number forty, the food coloring. Yeah. It's terrible for it's terrible for everyone, in particular kids. I, I I'm afraid to ask you how you found that out, honey. What happened? Um, I drank too much. Um, I drank too much. My aunt at her Christmas party had like red Kool Aid, and I drank way too much of it, and I, I got sick. Like, got hives all over myself. Oh no! Well, you know what? I got to tell you, I'm actually glad that happened, just simply because years of having that stuff accumulate in your body can cause theoretically uh, studies have shown that it can cause genetic mutations in your gut it can cause ADHD and cognitive problems and concentration problems so I'm actually glad that you discovered that at a young age and I'm really glad that you're focused on getting a lot of those chemicals out of your diet and eating clean because working out is a really big part of the equation but making sure that you fuel your body with the right foods is going to really help you go that extra mile in everything you do whether it's your sports or how you focus in school no matter what you pursue so i i think your nutrition the fact that you're conscious of that that's awesome thank you <laughs> you're welcome buddy thank you for calling yeah bye <laughs> bye <laughs> he's so cute what a smart, what a smart guy. Smart little sucker. 12. Yeah. And how cool, how cool. Precocious that, um, little dude. But how cool that he's going with his mom to the gym. Like I that's, knew it. That, My that favorite part, he's like, I do body pump. You know what I'm <laughs> talking about? <laughs> no, that was not- <laughs> I was like, <laughs> was tell, I wanted so bad that he'd be like, tell me about that. 
But I knew your head would explode because of the time frame. <laughs> no. I wanted to be like, tell me about Body Pump. Gosh, what a cutie. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. And, mm. and a lovely, and what a lovely way to end our show today. Yeah. I'm happy to end it on that note. Yeah. I will happily end the show. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I ended it. It's over. It's now over. it's over. See what happens? I ended it, and now look, you're left hanging. You want more. No, now is too abrupt. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, bye-bye. I ended. I said bye a while ago. Stop oh. looking at me like that. Oh, okay. I guess we'll go, off, go off now. Let me know that I've done wrong When I've known this all along I go around a time or two Just to waste my time with you Tell me all that you've thrown away Find out games you don't want to play You are the only one that needs to know I'll keep you my dirty little secret Don't tell anyone or you'll be just another request My dirty little secret If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger, Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to YouTube.com slash WaitForItComedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you.